Thank you for joining our podcast from New Life Church Greenbrier. If you're joining us for the first time, we would love to know about it. Just text Greenbrier to 88000 and fill out one of our Connect cards. Now, let's listen in to today's message. Well, good morning, New Life Church. Thank you guys so much for being here. You know what? I am so thankful that we are able to come together when it seems like there's so much chaos in the world around us right now. Um, it seems like there's so much bitterness and judgment, and it seems like even inside the church, it seems like everybody's lots of truth, but very little grace. And um, I believe it's important that we're able to come together this morning and worship our Lord and Savior. And hear what it is that God has for us. Would you guys agree with that? You know, how many of you enjoyed the Wisdom Book series that we've been in the last few weeks? Three people. Good. We're going to work on our series next month, I promise. I don't know about you, but I have enjoyed the Wisdom Book series. Why? Because, like, unlike most of you guys, I need lots of wisdom, right? I need God to reveal to me and show me what it is that I'm supposed to do in every step of my life and where I'm going, the mistakes that I've made. And prevent me from making the same mistakes over and over and over. You know, this series gives us a practical approach of how to live a godly life in a broken world. How many of you would agree we're in a broken world today? Well, God's Word shows us how we are to live a godly life at this time. Last weekend, we talked about the importance of staying connected to the vine. We showed through Scripture that the vine clearly is God. And that we must stay connected to Him. We talked about, we give the analogy of how for us to produce fruit, we have to have the right combination, the right balance of leaves to fruit in our life. You guys remember that? And it's real easy for us to get too many leaves and not be able to produce the fruit that God calls us to produce. And what I mean by that is the leaves in our life, if we're the branches and we stay connected to the vine, the leaves in our life can take on a good role or even a bad one. I mean, it can be good things. It can be relationships. It can be hobbies. It can be sports. It can be things that we enjoy doing. Good things. It's not bad. But it's important that we make sure that we have the right balance in that. It's not just fruit, but it's fruit and leaves. Anytime you look at a fruitful branch, they can also take on bad things as well. Sometimes we can allow addiction alcohol and drugs and different things to work their way into our life that will prevent us from producing the fruit that God calls us to produce. Well, today we are going to look at something that I believe truly can be life-changing. If we'll imply, if we will put in some measures in our life, some guardrails in our life that will prevent us from getting off the track that God calls us to be on, I believe that he will reveal to us where we're going. This morning we're going to take a look at Protection from deception. Has anyone ever been deceived before? I mean, really, surely some of you have stayed up at midnight and bought something off an infomercial, right? I mean, we've all done it. I had a friend of mine put it this way. He's a campus pastor in Pine Bluff, and the way that he explained it was excellent. Maybe he was just talking my language. But he said, you know what, Tim? It's a lot like turkey hunting. How many turkey hunters do we have in the room? We've got a few. If you don't turkey hunt, don't worry. I'm going to give you the cliff notes of it. You see, during turkey season, there's a certain thing that comes over the male turkeys. We're going to call them toms because that's what they are. They take on an extra interest in the lady turkeys, the hens, right? Well, during a certain season, they'll, they'll stay on a tree or stay in a tree on a branch. And they're not going to come off of that branch. 
until they see the hens, until they physically put their eyes on the hens. They'll let out a gobble and all of a sudden hear the hens come running. It doesn't work like that in my house. But never will he get out of that limb until he physically lays his eyes on the hens. He knows better. His mama told him, do not get off of that limb until you see them. But then turkey season rolls around. And then as hunters, well, we get a little crafty. We put a turkey a hen decoy out in the middle of a field, and we start making the same clucking sound that most hen turkeys make. And then Tom hears it. He goes, you know, that sounds a lot like Susie. I know I'm not supposed to get off this limb, but, man, back in the fall, Susie looked good. Just this one time, just this one time, I'm going to fly off this limb and I'm going to go check out Susie. And he goes around the corner and he sees our decoy sitting out in the middle of a field. And instantly he knows something's wrong. That should be an indicator right then to turn around, get back on his limb and stay. But he doesn't. He's like, hmm, Susie looks like she's had some work. She looks kind of plastic. It's almost like she's had some Botox on her beak, but she still looks good. So he blows his chest out and he works his way in. And before you know it, bam. He's turkey dinner, right? Many times, we can be deceived the same way. You ever dipped your toe into something, and you think, well, I'm just going to check it out, and before you know it, you're over your head? We all have. We've all made mistakes. But the good news about it today is God gives us a clear direction on how to prevent ourselves from getting in over our head. Let me pray for us. Father, I thank you so much for your word. God, I thank you that even in seasons when we don't even know what is right from wrong at times, that we can look to your word and you will give us a clear direction on how to navigate through each season. We know right now that there's a lot of chaos going on. There's a lot of uncertainty in many things, but God, we can have certainty in your word. So, Father, today I pray that you speak to us, that you speak through your word. You show us what it is that you would have us to learn from your word today. It is in Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. We'll talk about being deceived. We've all been deceived. We've already covered that, right? We've all followed someone else's suggestion or we bit into, you know, the, the latest, greatest thing. If, if I just eat this bar once a day, I'm going to lose 50 pounds, right? Have you all done that? I mean, I fell into it a few weeks ago. I had a friend of mine say, if you'll just wear socks that have Jason Antell's face on them, that, yeah, that you'll have biceps like Brandon Weaver. I've been wearing them two weeks and it hadn't happened yet. We've all been deceived. We've all fell into that trap. God gives us clear direction how to prevent that. That's why Solomon prayed in Proverbs 30, verse 8. He says, keep deception and lies far from me. Give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with the food that is my portion. But then he goes on to say in verse 9, he says, otherwise I may have too much and disown you and say, who is the Lord? Or I may become poor and steal and so dishonor the name of my God. What he's saying here is, God, just give me my portion. Show me what my portion is. I don't want more. I don't want less. God, I want what your plan is for me. But if we're not careful, we start looking around and we go, you know what? I want what they have. When you have no idea the planning and preparation and the steps that it took to get to that place, he's saying, my portion. 
So open up your Bibles for me. Turn to the book of Colossians chapter 2. Get your pens ready. I believe this is some good stuff. Information I think will bless you today. Colossians chapter 2 verse 1. It says, I want you to know how much I have agonized. Underline that word agonized. For you and for the church of Laodicea and for the many other believers who have never met me personally. Now this is Paul writing this. He sounds a little worried. I would say agonized justifies worry. I wonder where he's coming from. Let's go on. Verse 2. It says, I want them to be encouraged and knit together by strong ties of love. I want them to have complete confidence that they understand God's mysterious plan, which is Christ himself. Now, we know that this church has done some great things. Many of them don't even know Paul. They've never met Paul. But he's saying, listen, I know how easy it is to fall into this trap. I know how easy it is to be deceived and to allow deception to come in. And I'm worried that's going to happen. You've got to pay attention. You've got to stay connected. Verse 3 says, In him lie hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Now Paul's saying, if you want to know what the wisdom of this is, you want to know what the knowledge of this is, it's Jesus. Nowhere else. Everything you want, everything you need, everywhere you go, it is Jesus that needs to be the focus. Paul knows that they know this. This is not something new to them. It's been taught to them. I know you guys know this. But look at verse 4. It says, I'm telling you this. He's saying, I'm telling you to pursue Christ so no one will deceive you with well-crafted arguments. Now, how many of you would say you've heard some well-crafted arguments in this season? I mean, it's almost as if everyone has a well-crafted argument for their agenda today. But what is the truth? It is in God's word. If they get comfortable with culture, if they're led astray by stories and traditions and rituals and deception that tickle their ears because it's what they think they want to hear, they're left empty and hopeless. Colossians 2.8 says, Don't let anyone capture you with empty philosophies and high-sounding nonsense. In other words, don't listen to the turkey calls in life, Right? that come from human thinking and from the spiritual powers of this world rather than from Christ. So Paul wants us to have protection from deception. So how do we do this? Number one, we have to build a relationship with Jesus. If you're going to build a relationship with someone, what are you going to do? It can't just be a hello on Sunday morning for 35 minutes. Now, if you're going to build a relationship with someone, you have to spend time with them. If you're going to build a relationship with Christ, you're going to have to get into his word. You're going to have to understand his heart. You're going to have to understand how did he deal with difficult situations. I realize we're in a time when there's a lot of people saying a lot of things. How did Jesus deal with this? If we want to build that intimate, personal relationship with Christ, step one is you've got to understand and accept the fact that this is his truth. We can't pick and choose from this word what is true and what is not. No. It is God's word, and God's word is the truth. That's step one. And then you have to make a decision that you're going to follow him. You're going to invite him into your life. Many of you have done that at some point in time. Some of you may have done it many years ago when you were a child growing up in church. But I would ask you today, where is your relationship with Christ? Is it just something that you have? Is it just fire insurance? 
Is it just, well, I come to church because it's a good thing? Or are you growing in your relationship with him? Are you getting into his word daily? Are you getting connected to Bible studies and life groups? We're going to give you some opportunities to do that later on. Paul tells them in verses 6 through 7, says, so then just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught and overflowing with thankfulness. The Greek word for receive in the scripture is perlabano. I may be pronouncing that incorrectly. But it means to accept or acknowledge one to be who they say they are. Then to be willing to be joined or associated with them. So to receive Jesus, first of all, we have to accept him for who he is and then be joined with him and make a decision that we're going to follow his word and his direction with clarity. But clearly understand, too, what Lord means. Lord is actually mentioned over 740 times through the New Testament. Do you know what Lord means? It means supreme in authority, controller, master. If you want to build a relationship with Christ, are you willing to allow him to be the master of your life? Are you willing to allow him to be the supreme authority in your life? Are you going to allow him to correct you and prune you even when it's uncomfortable in life? Walk in him, live in him, dwell in him. One way to protect ourselves from deception is to grow in our relationship with Christ. But understand this, Satan doesn't want you to do that. Enemy will pull out all the stops to prevent you from growing in that relationship. We're going to have life group launch August the 22nd. We'll talk about that more as it gets a little bit closer. But the enemy is going to do everything in his power to try to prevent you from getting plugged in and get connected. Some of you, God has been stirring something inside of you and calling you to lead a life group this semester. But the enemy is going to do everything in his power to try to prevent that from happening. You don't have time. You don't have the margin. You're too busy. You're too this. You're too that. No, you don't need those relationships. I'm telling you, God has called us to have godly relationships. But number two, we have to build a home with Jesus. Build a place for him to abide. Paul's talking about building a life for Jesus. Let's go back to verse 7 for just a second, where it says, Rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. Some of you have grown up in church. You were in church every time the doors opened. Wednesday night, Sunday morning, Sunday night, every event. But it almost just become a routine. It's like you lost that relational side of Christ and what he calls us to have. So how do we build a life that glorifies God? A life where people can see Jesus living in you and through you. The people that you come in contact with at the store and at your workplace. Do they see Christ in the way that you respond to difficult topics? The way that you respond when things don't go exactly as planned. Does it honor him? How do we do that? Well, Solomon told us in Proverbs 12, 7 that the wicked are overthrown and are no more, but the house of the righteous stands firm. But you can't build a strong, righteous house until you first dig a deep foundation. Brings me to the next point. We have to dig a deep foundation. There was several years ago, we had some straight line winds come through at one of our places um, we used to own. And on one side of the road was hardwood trees in our, on our property. On the other side were several pine trees. 
And it was kind of a weird storm that came through. It wasn't expected. It wasn't anything on the radar. It just kind of blew up out of nowhere, kind of like storms blow up in our lives today, right? But we pulled in, and you know what had happened? On one side of the road, all of these pine trees were laid over, some of them actually on houses. And the hardwood trees that were on the other side of the street, well, they were snapped off like halfway up. Strange. But if you think about it, you see a pine tree... The way that it kind of weathers the storms is it's flexible. It bends. But a hardwood, its, it's roots kind of grow along the, along the surface, just under the ground. But a hardwood tree has what's called a taproot, and it goes deep. But it has to go deep because a hardwood tree is not as flexible. So its defense against the winds and the storm and the things that come is the fact that it's rooted deep into the ground. You say, well, why are you talking about trees? Well, there's lots to be learned because if we don't make it a point today to be rooted deep into God's word and to be rooted in to what it is that he's calling us to do as first and foremost, but then if we're not going to allow ourselves to bend away from what our opinion and our concept and our thought is from the world and get to God's word then when the storms come, we're going to fall. We're going to fall hard. And you know something I've learned through my life is even you get back up, the storms keep coming. At some point in time, we have to make a decision that we're going to stay rooted in God's word, in his truth. We're going to, we're going to bend or shift our opinion or our, our ideas away from what the world has taught us or maybe from our experiences. Have you thought about that? Have you thought about how sometimes our experiences and the trials that we go through? I was thinking about this the conversation with someone last week. You know, our opinions are arrived from one of two areas. It's either what someone has taught us, told us, or it's from what we've experienced personally. Every person has different experiences in life. Have you concluded or made a decision on how you're going to deal with something or with someone based upon what your experience in your past has been? Or are you going to do it based on what God's word is? Now, there's a lot that I could talk about on that today. But we talk about grace and truth. We're not going to get away from God's truth and his word. It's so important. But we can't forget about the grace and how we deal with people, especially people that think different from us or that look or act different than we do. We can't draw a conclusion based upon what has happened before our relationship with Christ begin to develop and just keep that separate. If it's only truth, it's, well, that person needs to dress different. They need to act different. They need to speak different. I can't believe that. No, they were holy people. They'd be sitting. No, that's truth. It may be. But what about the grace? Well, we can't leave with just grace either. Where it's just, oh, do what you want to do, when you want to do, how you want to do it, everybody be happy. No. It's the right balance. First comes grace, and then comes truth. You know, we have to read God's word. We have to pray without ceasing. And we've got to surround ourselves with godly people. And this is one of the ways that's been very difficult. I hate even using the word season. 
but in this last year and a half or so, is a lot of people have kind of gotten away from some of these relationships, these godly relationships that were very important at one time, but for things out of our control, we weren't able to necessarily meet as much as we could before, and the relationships have been filled with different things and different events and different hobbies, and you've kind of gotten away from those godly relationships. You may even say, well, Tim, I've never really had those godly relationships that you're talking about, and I'm, I'm not sure how to start. That's why we're being diligent about making sure that we're providing opportunities for you guys to build those godly relationships. We've got opportunities right now. You know, I remember, we're, we're about to be empty nesters, but I remember when our kids were smaller, especially when they were toddlers, and how difficult it was to gather the kids up and go somewhere and meet somewhere. We're, we've actually have a ministry that we're fixing to kick off. There's going to be an interest meeting. It is Young Families Hangout. And it's going to be for families with young kids from kid life and below. And we're going to have an interest meeting. You'll hear Jason mention some dates and some times. But it's an opportunity for people that are in the same stage of life almost to come together, build some godly relationships. And we're going to make sure that we have people with wisdom coming in and speaking on different areas growing in finances, and communication, and many different topics. But that's an opportunity to build those godly relationships in our life. We've got a men's Bible study that, ha- that meets every other Tuesday. We've got a women's Bible study that meets the opposite Tuesday. And we do it that way so the kids, we do not have child care at that, those Bible studies. But we do that so they can flip back and forth watching the kids. There's, many, there's going to be many opportunities for you guys to get together. When you say, well, I'm not a young adult with kids. I'm wiser. I'm older in age. I'm approaching that very rapidly. We have what's called a primetime demographic. They get together and meet and go through and build each other up and are there for one another. But get connected. Get plugged in. Life group launches right around the corner. And I'm excited because I believe that there's going to be a lot of relationships built out of it. The next thing we have to do is we have to build upon a solid foundation. We've got a picture I want to put up behind me. This is actually the Millennial Tower that was built in 2008, and it's the one on the left. It is a beautiful high-rise. I think it's 58 stories high. Um, But since this building was constructed in 2008, it has actually sunk 17 inches and is tilted 14 inches. And the reason being is because when they constructed this building, they only dug down 80 feet And they didn't get down to bedrock. Bedrock in that area was like 200 feet down. But they stopped at 80 feet. They hit compacted sand. They didn't go deep enough before they started building up. And if we don't get deep enough in God's word, especially today, it's going to be very easy for us to begin to drift and shift and sink and fall. That's what the Apostle Peter That's why the Apostle Peter, who knew a little something about pride, said in 1 Peter 5, 6, he said, Humble yourselves, therefore under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. You see, it's often the small things that we do when no one is looking that leads to the big things that everyone wants. Next thing we have to do is we have to be willing to put our faith and trust in the architect. Step one is deciding that this word is the truth. And that you're going to believe it as the truth and follow it as the truth. That's step one. The next thing you have to do is you have to trust him. You trust and believe what it says. That you don't just believe part of it, 
but you're going to believe the building plans for your life. Proverbs 3, 5 through 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways submit to him, and he will make your path straight. I'm glad because I'm going to be honest with you. There's times when I have no idea what God is doing inside of me or where he's calling me, but I trust to know what he's calling me for and that he's not going to call me to harm. Now, he'll allow me to be pruned. He will even prune me. And pruning can be uncomfortable at times. We showed in Scripture last week of how it even prunes those that are fruitful. You can be bearing fruit and God still prune you. Why? To produce more fruit. That's why Paul says we need to be established in our faith. So you say, well, what is faith? It's believing that God is who he is and believing that he'll do what he says he's going to do. That's faith. And the only way that you can trust God is you have to trust him. You just have to make the decision. Like Peter and the disciples in the midst of the storm in Matthew 14, God is going to call us so far out of our comfort zone and so far out of our boat at times that if we don't have him, we are going to sink, that we're going to fail. I can tell you personally, when God called me into ministry, I've had a lot of careers over the last 45 years. And it seemed like I, I worked hard because my dad taught me to work hard. And I felt like I'd become pretty successful in a few different areas. Now, I know that God, God is the reason that i become successful in those areas. But when he called me into ministry... It felt so far outside of my comfort zone, and it still does today, that I know that if I don't depend upon him, if I don't rely on him for every decision, every conversation, every meeting, every message, if I don't depend upon him 100%, I will fail. I will fall. I know I have to depend on him. But then I think about people that I've been able to come in contact with made a decision to give their life to Christ not because of anything I did but because God used me to deliver a word to someone I'm like that's not me that's not because I'm so such a great speaker or because I'm such a great preacher or, no that's, that's God God's calling some of you guys out of your comfort zone to something much bigger than yourself. Now, we can stay in our comfort zone. We can live in that area. You might be okay. But you'll never be where you could be if you'll rely on God and you'll let go. If you'll trust in Him. Let go. Let Him have the will. You know, we talk about balance. I had a friend of mine share something with me this week. He said, you know, you remember riding a bicycle as a kid. He said, when you started out, you had such a tight grip on the steering wheel or on the handlebars. You wouldn't let go. But he said, the further you got into the more comfort that you got and the more you trusted that bicycle, the more you began to let go. And then it become almost a balancing act. I know that it's hard 
to let go of control of your life. But if you'll trust in him, if you'll trust to know that he is in control and that he'll do what he says he'll do and that he is who he says he is, our job then is the balancing act. It's making sure that we stay connected to the vine, stay plugged into his word, listen to what it is that he's telling us. It doesn't mean that you can't enjoy life. God wants you to enjoy life. In fact, it almost becomes a holy swagger where you can walk and smile and dance and enjoy life because you know he's in control. The times when I've been most insecure in my life was times that I thought I had it all figured out. As Paul means in 2 Corinthians 12, 9, he says, But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. The next thing we have to do is enjoy what God is building. I had a good friend of mine tell me something this past week. He shared a statement with me. And it was actually a conversation that he had with another friend. They were walking out to get on a boat one morning. and He said it was just so peaceful. And it sparked up a conversation about years in the past. And a time when you couldn't go get on a boat unless you had a 12-pack of beer in the ice chest. Or... He said, you know what? He said, it's as if I traded partying for peace. I was like, wow. And I've never heard it put that way. He said, you know, in my younger days, when I was younger, I, I thought I had to find happiness or joy, or not even joy, but happiness or acceptance around alcohol. But he said, when I began to listen to what God was calling me and asking me to do, I began to walk in faith. He said, there's a sense of peace that I can't even explain. so good you see when we're when we're searching and we're seeking and we're trying to find something that fills us up that is outside of God's plan for our life you're always going to be empty you're always going to be looking for something else that's where people have affairs where people step out. They're looking for something, trying to find something, but it still it leaves them empty. If you're looking for something this morning, I can tell you where it's at. I can tell you how to get it. But you're going to have to make that decision for yourself. We talk about this relationship with Christ. Here, I'm going to do something a little bit different. I'm, I'm so far away from my message this morning. I truly believe 
that there's someone in this room right now that you've gotten off track. And you've been pulled away from the vine. You've disconnected from God. And you're like, I I don't know where to go. And I'm empty. My relationship has been running on empty. My life has been running on empty. I've tried to fill it up with so many different things. I've tried to numb the pain with drugs or prescription meds or alcohol or tried to find acceptance from somewhere else or someone else. I've been deceived. I've allowed deception to move into my life. I answered that text message when I shouldn't have. I picked up the phone and made an inappropriate phone call that I shouldn't have. I clicked on that link on my computer when I shouldn't have because I thought it would give me something. I thought it would it would make me happy and you're empty listen you will spend the rest of your life searching for something to fill you up if you don't understand what it means to have a personal relationship with Christ you want to know how I know that Because I lived that life looking for something to fill me up. That was when I finally plugged in and I understood what God was calling me to. That he had a plan and a purpose. That I was the head and not the tail. That I was above and not beneath. It was then when all these things that I had tried to fill my tank with. Success, finances. Material items, none of it mattered. But it was when I turned, it was like I traded all of that for peace that only He can provide. I'm going to ask you guys to please bow your heads for a second. Look, I don't know where you're at today. I don't know if any of this means anything to anyone, if there's a single person in this room that can relate to anything that I've shared with you, if any of you can relate to what Paul was saying, Paul didn't even know a lot of these people. But he was hurting because he didn't want them to be deceived. That church was doing a lot of great things. We as a church are doing a lot of great things. The body of Christ, we're doing a lot of great things. But we cannot and we will not get away from the true word of God. I realize that some of you came to church this morning because it seemed like the right thing to do. Maybe you've been away from church for a little while or for a season and you've been disconnected, you've been unplugged. And this is not what you expected. But with no one looking around, I want to ask you a question. I'm going to ask three questions, actually. The first one is, is, 
Have you ever made the decision to invite Christ into your life and forgive you of your sins so that you can experience this personal relationship with him that I'm talking about? The first step is accepting and knowing that his word is the truth and accepting him as your Lord and Savior, that he is the master of your life. We have to make a decision. And I know it's hard to wrap our heads around sometimes and to understand how a God that can love us so much and want what's good for us would give us free will to make a decision whether or not to follow him. But if it's not a decision that we make, is it really love? But he does. And he did. Not only did he do that, but he sent his son to die on a cross for our sins. So all the mistakes and everything that we've messed up in our past, we don't have to carry around as baggage on our back anymore. And we can lay it at the foot of the cross. So if there is someone here this morning and you've never made that personal decision to invite him into your life and forgive you of your sins, or if you made it a long time ago and for whatever reason you feel like that you've just become disconnected and you want to make one of two decisions, either give your life to him for the very first time or rededicate your life. If that's you this morning, no one looking around, would you just slip your hand up so I can pray with you? Yes, sir. Anyone else? Yes, ma'am. I see you. Anyone else? Thank you, Lord. The next question I want to ask you is this. Maybe you made that decision in your life at one time. But for whatever reason, right now you feel like you're in the midst of a storm. You feel like the wind has been blowing you and it knocks you down. You get back up and it knocks you down again. seems like you take one step forward and two steps back. Maybe you're going through a storm. Maybe it's your health. Maybe it's your finances. Maybe it's your marriage. Maybe it's temptation right now. Maybe you haven't even made a decision to step across that line but you're tempted right now. And the enemy is doing everything in his power to try to deceive you and tell you nobody will ever know. You'll never get caught. It's not going to affect anything. You can do it this first time, this one time. Just do it one time. Just try it once. Maybe you just need him in your life. Church, there's nothing I want more than for us to be a campus that is going after what God has for us with everything that we've got. But we're going to have to establish that foundation first. We can't build up until we go down. God's sitting there ready to build those blocks, put the next step in place. But we have to make a decision. So if that's you and you need God to move into your life, maybe it's to give you discernment for something, a decision that you've got to make. Maybe it's to protect you from the temptation that's coming in. Whatever it is, no one looking around, every head bowed, every eye closed, would you slip your hand up? I just want to pray for you. Yes, 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 yes. Yes, yes. 
Yes. I see you. Yes. You can put your hands down. You see, there's something you need to understand. I saw you, but so did God. And he is here this morning, and he wants to move in, and he wants to work on whatever it is that you're dealing with right now, but God, we got to live it. we got to let him have it. So I want you to pray with me. Father, thank you so much for your word, and your direction, and the way that your word gives us a clear map to how to get home. It tells us the steps. It tells us what to do. Father, there were people in this room this morning that made a decision to invite you into their life, maybe for the first time, I don't know, maybe to rededicate their life, I don't know, but you do. So, Father, if they raised their hand and asked you in, I just ask that they pray with me. Say, Father, forgive me of my sins. From this day forward, I lay my past in the past at the foot of the cross, and God, I focus on you and I move towards you, but I'm never going to look back. I know it's going to be tempting. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for sending your son to die on a cross. But God, we want to take our relationships deeper and further. Not just a hand raise on the weekend so that we can somehow guarantee our entry into heaven. No, we want a relationship with you. We want to grow stronger, closer, deeper. Just as your word calls us to be knitted together, lifting one another up. Father, there are people in this room this morning that are hurting. Maybe they're being tempted right now. Father, I just speak against any plan the enemy has. God, I pray you give them confidence to make the right decision. Boldness to turn and go the direction that you're calling them to go in. Give them wisdom. God, give us wisdom. That's the reason that we're walking through these passages of Scripture is because we need wisdom that can only come from you. And we need you in our life. Father, we need you in every area of our life. Let us become a church that is not just a Sunday morning hangout, but God, it's a Every day we're going after you. We're digging into your word. We're digging into your truth. We're following what it is that you've called us to do. And we're going to make mistakes. But God, we know that you're going to be there to help us pack up. God, I pray for godly relationships, for people that will come into our life and support us. We know that we need to have people that we can be completely honest with and reach out to when we're struggling. Build those relationships. Maybe they start in a life group this semester. Maybe they start with a young family hangout in the back, in the family room on Sunday. Maybe they start with a phone call this week for a lunch to hang out. Help us be men enough to step up and ask for accountability in our life. Help the women to respect and honor their husbands and allow them to be the spiritual leaders in their home. God, we need you. And we can't do this thing called life without you. It is in Jesus' name we pray.
Amen and amen. Can we give God a hand this morning? If you don't mind, I'm going to ask everyone to please stand. But, you know, Jason will hit on it in a few minutes. If you are struggling, let us be there with you. There's a connect card in the seat back in front of you. If you made a decision this morning or if you've got something that you're dealing with. There was a conversation last week that started because someone filled out a connect card. Let us know. Let us know how we can pray for you. There'll be leaders and pastors before we leave today that'll sit down and go through every one of the connect cards that you guys fill out. We don't leave here on Sunday until we do. Let us come along beside you. Let us be there with you. And let's see what God can do in this season. Amen? Amen. Let's worship together, church. Thank you for joining us today. If you made a decision for Christ or could use prayer for any area of your life, please let us know. All you have to do is text Greenbrier to 88000 and click on Connect Card. Be sure to join us next week.